Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode four or five of the Pride Month playlist series here on Standing Post. I'm your host, Cody Starkin, and in this episode, I bring back a Standing Post alumni, Officer Technician Lauren Alta Gunawan. Back in episode 21 of Standing Post, she spoke about her background as the first female motorbike officer for the Motorcade Support Unit. But in this episode, she speaks about being an openly gay officer in the Uniform Division and what Pride Month means to her. Officer Technician Lauren Gunawan, thank you for coming back onto the show to uh, talk to us, to my, to the listeners and I about, um, you know, kind of an update to your your story back in episode 23 and um, kind of talk about uh, Pride Month and uh, the LGBT special emphasis group. But uh, the floor is yours. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to say thank you to Cody for graciously having me on the podcast again. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast, go back, listen to it, listen to all of them. They are all fantastic. A little background about myself. I am Officer Technician Alpha Lauren Gunawan, and I am the first female on the Motorcade Support Unit for the United States Secret Service. And before we move on with the the episode's topic here, do you mind just kind of giving a brief summary overview for those new to this episode about uh, what you do for or what the Motorcade Support Unit does for the Secret Service? The Motorcade Support Unit is a part of the Secret Service. It's one of uh, our specialty units. You get once you get into this selective service class, you end up taking a two-week course. And it is probably one of the most rigorous courses that you'll ever take. Hopefully, you'll be able to have some of the people that just pass this motor class on, and they can tell you how draining it is. It is physically and mentally exhausting. You will take 80 hours of this course. Every day is a different thing, and it's extremely challenging. So if you're not picking it up at the beginning of the week, you hope that you'll start to pick it up during the middle of the week because by the end of the week, you end up testing. So if you don't pass up that test on the first week, you're done and you go back to your branch. For the second week, you will do the testing again at the very last day. So unlike other specialty units on motors, you are not guaranteed to be on the class just because you passed the first test you have to pass that second test on that second week. And we've had people on our unit now that can tell you that they've taken it multiple times and they've messed it up on that second week. So when I tell you it is probably one of the most difficult trainings I've ever done, I'm not kidding. Well, uh, like I said before, if um, you want to hear or if the listeners want to hear more about that background, um, episode 21 is where you want to go. So the topic of today's show or this episode is specifically uh, in regards to uh, your background in the uh, LGBT community, also to talk about Pride Month, also to the special emphasis group, if you had anything to share on that. So I identify as she and her. Um, I have been married for six years to my wonderful wife, Nikki. She is an absolute amazing person, and I can't say um, enough amazing things about her. And it's funny because when you meet that one person, it makes life so much more fun. And I'm so thankful every day that I have her in my life. You're, in fact, a lesbian, correct? Correct. And when did you recognize that? When did you when did you feel that? When did you know that's who you were? You know, it's crazy to even think about things like this. And, and I've always known that I've been different from other people, especially going through elementary school. I always liked to do hang out with the boys, be a tomboy, um, go play in the mud. And I was never into those 
typical girly things, you know, wearing dresses, playing Barbies. I mean, my mom will tell you till she's blue in the face how much I dislike wearing any sort of dress, anything that had a bow on it. It just, I did, it felt like a chore to me to have to dress up and be a, be a little girl. But I've, I've always known that I was different. And it really hit me in about third grade that I was like, I definitely, I, I don't, I don't see boys as, uh, as, as cute to me. I'm like, you know, it just, it wasn't the typical, oh, that boy's cute, you know, all that. And so then it really just was like, okay, how am I going to, how can I work around this? Because I didn't have a lot of representation from my small town that I lived in. And I, I guess maybe if you can elaborate further, what was that story like for you to figure that out and to, I don't know if you just came out all at once or it was like a progression to where you just kind of told certain people because what I'm learning, and it should be obvious that it's not the same story for everybody, that everybody kind of has their own story and how they kind of manage and work through it because you never know, um, depending on the setting, the environment, the town, um, you don't know if it's okay or not. Absolutely. And so for the listeners, um, I grew up in a town of 300 people. So it was definitely not a lot of people. Um, so when when you say representation, for me, I didn't have that. I had, you know, the the typical macho men, you know, all the girls dated boys. Um, I never really had anybody to be like, oh, it's okay to, uh, to you, know, you know, hold hands with a girl or, or you know, kiss a girl or all, any of that. So for me, it was definitely extremely difficult in that process because I didn't know what I was supposed to do because I, I knew I didn't fit in and I knew for me that it was going to, it was different. I didn't know how it was different. I just knew that it was different for me. On the coming out process, I never really came out fully to my family because and or my friends because that was such a scary thing for me I was extremely nervous because I felt that if I had told my family that I would be disowned because I had heard stories that oh if you come out you know your family's going to kick you to the curb and you're not going to be welcome here and so I didn't want to have that reaction and I didn't want I couldn't afford to lose my family and I guess the same goes with my friends. I didn't know how to tell my friends. And I can see that. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, a town of 300 people, my assumptions are that maybe you didn't have access to things that would be able to provide those uh, stories of success stories of being able to come out to the community. Correct. I mean, you if you think about it, I mean, you're, you're in the country, so you don't have access to a lot of things. Our, our cable TV, I mean, it was like the four basic channels. So it's like, I didn't, I didn't get that outside exposure, like how most people get. I mean, right now, today, if you were a kid growing up in New York City, you would have that exposure all around you. For me, I, I didn't have that because we, we're, it's such a country living and country life. And it's, it's unspoken, to say the least. When did you finally kind of just figuratively pull that trigger and say, you know, we got to do this. You know, I need to let people know. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I, I call it my midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> again, not, not being that old, but it, it was a, it was a aha moment for me of, 
I got, long story short, I got left in Wisconsin. So I had to have my mom come and pick me up and take me back to where I needed to go. And that long drive, it just sat on me. And finally, I just looked over at my mom and I said, I have something to tell you. And I can't, I can't even explain how fast my heart was beating. It was beating out of my chest. I was nervous. I wanted to throw up in her car, but I knew if I threw up in her car, I would have to clean it up and I don't <laughs> want to do that. Um, so I looked over at her and I said, I'm gay. And her instant reaction was, I don't wish that upon anybody. And I don't want you to be ridiculed throughout life, but I love you. And she also said, I've known for a while. I was just waiting for you to tell me. So having that moment of just instant relief and that burden off my shoulders was an amazing feeling. And I'm not an emotional person, but that time I, I cried because it was this relief that I needed. Lauren, also, I want to talk to you about your application with the Secret Service and the challenges that might have brought that or the challenges that may have come with that, because one of the things that I've been touching on with the other uh, individuals we've had on for the Pride Month episodes that we're going to be putting out in June was a discussion about the challenges or the hesitation or even reluctance to apply to a federal law enforcement organization being a part of the LGBT community. Did you have any thoughts, challenges prior to applying? Uh, Did you ever think, I don't know if this is going to happen or not? I think the biggest challenge for me was getting outside of my current job that I was in. My, my thought process was if I go somewhere federal, like in the government, I could better myself, not only my career, but better myself as a person. And I didn't want to let me being gay stop me from choosing to live my life and have a career. And... I was hoping that it wouldn't affect it. And, you know, six years later, it still hasn't affected it. So I think I'm doing pretty good for myself. But no, I didn't, I didn't have any hesitation. I was, I, I was going to full send it and pray and hope that, you know, everything went the way it was going to. And I, I wouldn't have any issues. And does that kind of describe the, the rest of the process through just the application process, the training, and eventually being on uh, the uniform division? Absolutely. I I didn't want me being gay to hinder anything. And so when I went through training and all of that process, it's not that I'm ashamed of who I am. It's that I let people get to know me first before they make a judgment about me. I want you to judge me based on my work ethic, based on my character. I don't want you to judge me based on me being gay. So when I, w- when I would be asked questions about, oh, I see that you're married, what does your husband do? I would politely correct them and say, my wife, and then carry on our conversation. I never ran into any issues per se here, but it's just about educating people. No, and that's what I'm, I'm enjoying about, because um, this podcast is always just about learning about the Secret Service, but I'm also learning a lot of other a lot of other subjects while going through and interviewing people. And I just, I think it's great that from the individuals that I've talked to, they describe similar stories about just, hey, it's not, this isn't about who I am, it's about what I can do for the organization. So I just think that's a really great 
uh, and beautiful thing of just like focusing on this is my potential, but but also introducing it in a way where it's just natural. It's an everyday thing. And so uh, maybe I'm just kind of grasping from words as I'm learning about all this, but I really appreciate you just sharing your story and how you how you approach things with the Secret Service. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really thankful to have someone like you that has this platform and to be able to speak on it and, and educate people because the, the only way that we can educate people is by talking about it. We can't just ignore it and put it in a box in a corner. So having, having this platform is, is great. So I thank you for featuring us. Do you have any messages for individuals that may be tentative about it? Because um, we talked about your personal story about applying to the Secret Service. Do you have any messages um, from the other side, I guess, uh, because the application process can be a long one. Is there anything that you'd like to tell them uh, prior to applying? I mean, the biggest thing for me is just make sure that you understand going through this process is going to take a lot of time. It is going to wear you down. But if you continue having that motivation to want to better yourself and better your career just to continue to hold on and keep keep pushing towards that because like you said it 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 takes a little bit to get through the process but if you are diligent and continue fighting for it you'll get in uh before we move on i want to just discuss like any specific challenges that come to mind was there anything in your, your your time with the Secret Service that presented itself as a challenge, but you kind of worked through it? I mean, I guess you talked about it, too, with people just assuming that you were married to uh, a male. But were there any other things, any uh, tough challenges that you kind of had to work through and uh, had a good resolve at the end of it? Well, I think it's still an ongoing thing, but it's, it's educating people. And it's just giving, getting them to understand that just because I am gay and we do share a lot of common interests and, and stuff like that, you still have to treat me as, as, a, as a female who is, you know, your, your counterpart. And I feel like sometimes we run into the issue of they want to talk like the bro culture. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it, it's very inappropriate, but it's also like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but you also have to understand that it is very derogatory. And so we, We've had some conversations where I've had to help educate people that, hey, that's probably not appropriate. You shouldn't say that because would you say that to your wife or your daughter? And and those types of things have gone over very well. No, that's a good way to put it. And I, as a segue here, I want we can move on to another type of education. And are you a part of the LGBT special emphasis group? Yes, I actually got put into it. I can't even remember how I got put into it, but. I ended up getting in touch with Andrew Murphy, who is, he was kind of spearheading it at the time. And now as of 2022, uh, I have been working hand in hand with Casey and Andrew Murphy to help keep this, keep laying the foundation for this group within the Secret Service. So what do you believe you bring to the group? What, what do you believe is your unique perspective that you are able to help grow and educate those um, through the LGBT special emphasis group? I mean, I'm a, I'm a ball of fun. So come on. <laughs> I'm like, I, I run the party to the, to the group. No, I, I think I give, I give a perspective because again, I'm still learning everything, everything around us in this world that we live in is evolving. And so it's about educating. And, and again, being in this group 
helps educate not only myself, but helps educate others. And I, I hope to see more people after these episodes come out, join this group just to, just to gain knowledge. You don't have to be gay, straight, bi. You don't have to be anything. You can join this group and just get educated. The one thing that I feel that I bring is I, I bring a creative aspect to it. Right now, we are working on a lot of special projects. I'm working hand in hand right now with Casey and Andrew to get a lot of our ideas put out there. But it's about going through the process. Anything about being in the Secret Service and government in general is you have to follow guidelines and you have to follow certain things. And so right now, trying to push these projects through, we're jumping through a lot of hoops, but we're making some headway, which is nice. And for those that aren't in the Secret Service that are listening, just the the listeners that um, are kind of on the outside looking in, has there been any initiatives that this uh, special emphasis group, is there anything that they would see coming out of this group publicly? So the big thing right now that I know they've been pushing is at recruitment. So they're going to a lot of uh, recruitment events. And they're working specifically LGBT side. Um, They're trying to push to get more people in the service that are LGBT or or even any other group. But the the big thing is we're just trying to get representation. And so getting out there and showing that, hey, within the Secret Service, we do have people that are in the LGBT community that do represent the Secret Service and that it is not a scary thing because, again, going going places that you don't know a lot of people, it, it, it's scary. So we want this to be an open discussion for people that, hey, I see, I see myself represented. Are you planning to attend any of these recruitment events or have you attended any of them? I have not attended any of these events specifically, but hopefully within the near future, I would love to attend. I know that we have one that is coming up here. I would have to talk to KC to get better dates, but there is one event that we're trying to work for DC Pride. Lauren, I know we've talked a little bit about, well, we've talked about the LGBT special emphasis group. Was there anything else you'd like to add to it? Anything that may uh, help the listeners um, better understand the program or the the purpose of it? I think the biggest thing is, like I said, education. If you are unsure about what LGBT stands for, you know, this group will will show you how to address people, especially nowadays where you don't just want to assume someone's identity or pronouns. It teaches you how to approach the subject and and educate you better. So I'm really excited to roll this out, especially on the Secret Service side. It will be on the internet. So hopefully we'll be able to attach the internet page and you can look at it for our listeners who are non-Secret Service. Just be on the lookout for us. We're going to really try to push it and get this representation out there because it does matter, especially in small communities. I appreciate you being able to talk about that. And I'm happy that the Secret Service um, has programs like this for people to feel welcome, but also to to help navigate, to help kind of work through any challenges that there may be within the organization, but also to just to let everybody know that you're there. Absolutely. And and again, I, I can't reiterate this enough um, for, for a lot of the listeners. I don't expect you to respect my, my personal life, me being gay, anything like that. I, I will do everything I can to meet you in the middle and have common ground because I don't, we're all going to believe in separate things and different things. You, you could say the sky is green, the grass is blue, like you can do all the things, but 
whatever our differences are, we can at least meet in the middle and we can work together. No, that's a that's an awesome message. And I think um, as another kind of uh, segue here, um, I wanted to talk about specifically Pride Month and what it meant to you. Uh, is there any special way that you celebrate? Is there, you know, how do you see Pride Month and what does that mean to you? So Pride Month means a lot to me. It's just being proud of who you are, regardless of what you identify as. You have to be proud in yourself. And I can tell you, for me, it took a long time for me to be like, I love myself. I am proud of who I am. And being able to be where I am today, and I wish my younger self would have seen that, is that just don't don't hide who you are. Be true to yourself. But I can 100% understand that sometimes you feel like there's nowhere to go and you feel like there, you can't see the light. And I promise it will get better. And the way I celebrate, I celebrate year-round. I mean, like I said, I'm extremely proud of myself. The way I kind of carry my pride is I actually wear a pride bar on my outer vest. It just helps me feel like I can represent the LGBT community. It's the small gesture, but it's something that means the world to me. And like I said, for me, representation is the biggest thing. And I want to be able to show people that are younger than me to show them that regardless of how you identify you can do big things and you can join this agency and they will be supportive in you as well i want to kind of go back uh you mentioned the uh, pride bar can you provide a little bit more detail on what that is oh yeah it's uh it's literally the small bar like a i say like a ceremonial bar type you being in the military you know that you Mm -hmm. guys have your ranks and stuff like those bars it's something very similar but it's just like a little enamel pin it's got uh the rainbow colors on it it's very basic but it's it's like i said a small gesture that means a lot to me awesome and i think that's well and also too if it's a part of the uniform then that also means that it's a it's obviously approved and that's really nice to that the secret service allows you to to wear that and to be able to um to be able to to wear it, I guess. I mean, there's nothing else to say about it, I guess. Um, uh, that's really that's really great that the Secret Service allows you to um, be able to wear that, and so it kind of sends messages out there that uh, we welcome all. Absolutely, and and like I said, I mean, to to be in an agency that is continuing to to strive to work to create a better work environment for everyone is huge, and. Like I said, there's a there's a lot of hurdles that we're still trying to, you know, jump over. But for right now, we are continuing to push in the right direction. And it's great to see that. Specifically for Pride Month, and you may have uh, elaborated on it um, in one of the previous questions, but what does Pride Month mean to you specifically to have June as a time to be able to celebrate, to recognize um, and to educate individuals out there? Uh, what does that mean to you? I mean, I, I keep going back to the word representation. Um, being able to have a month that you see that representation, not only on TV, um, within the communities. I mean, D.C. is a hub of having every nationality, every every race, every gender here. And it is amazing to see how the city turns into pride. And, and it makes me ecstatic to see that because Again, being from a small town, I didn't have that representation. And, and now I want to continue to represent and, and continue to help this community grow. Because if anybody knows anything about the LGBT community, it's 
been a constant fight to try to gain rights to get anything to even be able to marry your significant other and it means a lot and I take extreme pride in having that because I know how hard everyone has fought to lay that foundation to get us to this point and I want to continue to help lay that foundation. And do you have any special messages to your brothers and sisters out there, a part of the community? Is there anything that you'd like to say to them uh, during Pride Month? Just continue to lay that foundation. Representation matters. I know that at times we make tremendous progress and then it feels like we take 10 steps backwards. Um, With all this progress, we just have to continue to stand tall and push for what we believe in. And The other thing is to remember that all the hard work that we put into laying this foundation doesn't go unnoticed. It helps everyone and it will help everyone in the future. Do you have any messages for those individuals that that haven't figuratively come out of the closet yet, that hasn't told the people around them, uh, that hasn't taken that kind of leap of faith that the the community around them that will take them in and uh, be supportive and their champion? Is there anything that you'd like to say to them? I understand. I know what it's like to feel that extreme burden and to feel that if you say something that you're going to lose your entire world. And I think that is the hardest thing to get over, especially for, for me. I know that coming out to my family was the hardest thing for me to do. And the second I came out to my mom and it, it, it was a burden that was relieved. I can't tell anybody, yes, this is the perfect time to come out, all this and that. That is something that you, as a human being in this wonderful world that we live in, has to to navigate through. Because I could tell you, today, it's really sunny, it's bright, you know, everything is great, it's nice and warm, you should come out today. Like, I can't do that for you. But I want you to know that there is an entire community behind you that, when you do come out, we are going to have our arms wide open and we are going to be here to support you and to love you and to listen. Lauren, it was nice to have you on again. Uh, always a pleasure. I hope to have you back on in the future with Standing Post, regardless of the topic. And you're used to this, um, or at least uh, with the last episode, you're familiar with this. Uh, I always like to leave our guests with the, the final word uh, as we close out. So do you have anything else you'd like to tell the listeners before we end the episode? Be kind. The world is always evolving and always changing. So continue to be the amazing people that I know you are. And I look forward to hopefully being on another episode. I don't want to say I'm going to be a three-time champion on here, (laughs) but I'm going, I'm going to see if I can, if I can hold that title. For more information about the Secret Service or how to join, please go to www.secretservice.gov. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and even on YouTube. And if you get a chance, please leave a rating and a review. It goes a long way to help support the podcast. And until next time, listeners, stay vigilant.